And if that wasn't bad enough, like a few weeks later, somehow I've managed to kick myself in my own pussy. Ah. Like, I didn't even- <laughs> this is Melody Kush. This is Lana Del Bay. What's the weirdest place that you've had sex? I gotta know. Oh my God. Yeah, that. Get on your knees. Like, oh wow. Like, that's really how it is in the cam world? I really like it. Sex tales. What's up, Sex Squad? Welcome to a brand new episode of Sex Tales. I am Lana Del Bay, a full-time chatterbait cam model, content creator, and sit-down comedian. Hey, what's up? My name's Mel Kush. I am an OG chatterbait cam model, a content creator, and the owner of the Kush Tush. And today we have... Somebody who needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. She is a world-famous adult star. She's a director, author, medium, truth speaker, troll slayer, the iconic Stormy motherfucking Daniels. Hi, Stormy. That was quite an introduction. I just want to hire you to follow me everywhere I go. I'm available. I'm available. (laughs) Uh, You are obviously well known for, you know, let's call them recent political events, uh, but you've really cemented your place in the adult industry as a performer and as a director. Uh, But way back in the beginning, you started your career as a dancer. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how that started and how you got into the industry? Sure. I think that my story is a very organic one that I, I feel like a lot of girls have a very similar tell. Um, I started stripping still in high school, but for those of you who have read the book that we know that I began a little <laughs> early, but I think a lot of girls began as, you know, dancers or strippers or nowadays cam models. And I really loved dancing. I loved stripping. I loved working in the clubs. But when I went after dancing a couple months at one place, I went to work at the gold club in Baton Rouge and they, you know, it was a much more upscale gentleman's club. Um, cause I think there's like, when you come to strip clubs, you have like titty bars and then you have gentlemen's clubs and we all know the difference. Um, so I went to work at a higher end gentlemen's club. It was the gold club, which is now the penthouse club actually. Uh, and they had guest stars or feature entertainers come every week. And these were the girls that came in and they headlined and they got to do these beautiful burlesque shows. And then, then I found out that they got paid just to walk in the door. So they always had a guarantee and I, I just love the performances and the theatrical aspect of the the tease that they did. And I was like, I want to do that. How do I how do I get to do that? And so I like obviously ingratiated myself to a lot of these guest stars that came into town. And by that, I mean, I followed them around and bugged them incessantly until they gave me information. Um, But, you know, you have to have credits. You have to have a reason why you are the headliner, why you are the star, so to speak. And so the first thing I did was pose for a bunch of magazines and I think I did like 75 centerfolds and cover, wow. covers in two years. This is when there was still a lot of magazines out there now, you know, as we know. Wow, though, that's impressive. They don't really have those anymore. Um, and then I did some contests, you know, stripper contests to to show that I had a good show, a good costumes, good performance, you know, breathing fire, like all of that stuff. And I, I did like the Miss Nude North America pageants and I did a one for um, – HBO, I can't remember what it was called, but I did a bunch of these things and I got really well known and I was booked pretty solid. But the problem with, with doing that type of, you know, just the magazines and the contests and things is you get topped out on rates pretty fast. Um, there's definitely a cap. So what you can get paid per, sh- per show. And then that, that gets shattered if you're a porn star, like if you've done movies or, um, and so I was like, well, I don't, 
really don't know if I should do porn. Like, I don't know anybody. Like, it seems big and scary. I was from Louisiana. And then I had a girlfriend that was also in the same boat I was. She'd been feature dancing a lot longer than I had and wanted to just break through that that number. I think it was like 250 or 300 or so. Like, there's no way you were ever going to get more than that unless you had done porn. Uh, and so she told me that she was coming out to LA and she didn't want to come by herself. And if I wanted to come to California, she would buy my plane ticket. And I just saw this as an opportunity to get a free airfare to California. <laughs> and then she dropped the bomb on me that she was actually her first day shooting. She was going to be going to shoot for wicked pictures. Uh -huh. And I lost my shit because that <laughs> I was a porn fan. Um, all along. And that was my favorite company because they had released a movie called dream quest. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was my all time favorite adult movie. And it was directed by Brad Armstrong. And then she was like, Oh yeah. And the director of the set that I'm going to be at is Brad Armstrong. And I'm like, it's like all the stars were aligning for you to be an adult. <laughs> I know. And so I went to set with her that day and I just, I wasn't supposed to be in the movie, obviously. I just went with her and they immediately put me in the movie as an extra. <laughs> and wait, uh, we all know what happened next. As, uh, an, as, an extra, as an extra, what was your role in the, in the movie as an extra? I was just sitting at a bar. Like I was just okay. background, you know, but it was the first time I had my makeup done. The first time somebody glued lashes on me, which was horrifying. <laughs> like for somebody that first time is not fun. Uh, and then five days later, she, got on her plane and went home and I signed a contract with Wicked Pictures and moved in with Brad Armstrong and dated him for a year and a half. Wow. wow. <laughs> that is some like, story. that's some faded events right there. It was pretty wild because I didn't even know there was a thing as contract girls. Like I watched the movies and I knew the stars, but I didn't really understand that you could be signed to a contract. And like I said, it happened so fast. It was within five days. And Wicked was wow. so afraid that I was going to change my mind that they never let me go home to even get my stuff. <laughs> wow. They sent people. They're from, like, no, no, no. We'll just buy you a new dog. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they actually flew the production manager and some of the people from the warehouse at the wicket office back to Louisiana. Everyone packed my stuff and drove my car back with with my things. Wow. wow. And I ended up being with Wicked for 17 years. That's amazing. Um, I yeah, I was there for a year before. Well, I was there for about three months before I started writing scripts for the company. And they added that to my contract before my first year was even over. Um, and then the second year I directed. So I got signed in 2002. And in 2004, I directed my first movie. Uh, and then I went on to obviously direct a bunch of movies for them. And I left the company about four years ago over some bullshit. But that person's <laughs> now been fired. And because I had some other things that I needed to take care of. Uh, and they invited me back. They asked me a couple months ago if I wanted to come home. And they made me an offer I could not refuse. So here wow, I am. Wow, some godfather <laughs> shit right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. You, you think you get away and they pull you right back in. <laughs> you, uh... <laughs> You started off stripping, obviously. Um, what do you still do that today? Do you still feature dance? Are you still, do you still have like a great passion for stripping or is that just something that you've left in the past? No, I always loved dancing. Um, it was, I still do. Uh, I danced before I did adult. I did, I danced 
the entire time I was in, um, as soon as all the political stuff happened and I left Wicked uh, or left filming for a while, that was a big source of my income. I had a big tour booked. It was just next level crazy how packed those clubs were. Um, and then I, I never took a break from dancing except for when I had my daughter. Cause obviously I took a break from everything, but I never stopped dancing up until COVID happened. And it really sucked because I had a full tour book. There was this weird mix of like strip clubs and comedy tour. We just had the dates. Like I have, we had it written on a dry erase board on the tour bus being like, tonight you keep your clothes on. Tonight she doesn't have a pulse. She has a microphone. Cause it was just became a, like the cities would blur together. Like is tonight a comedy club or a strip club? Let's not mix those up. Cause that would be they not only trapped, have, like stripper rookie here in Portland. So people like mask really? songs while poor strippers Ooh. have to try to strip to people massacring classics. Oh, no, it seems so like awful. a good fusion of the two of comedy and, and stripping. So if you're ever in Portland, yeah. you have to check I that mean, out. At my <laughs> I don't know but no I did have a so my comedy shows were booked through Live Nation and I was doing like all the House of Blues and there were these big sold out like prestigious like real comedy sold out stand up comedy shows and then like to fill the dates in between we would be hitting these strip clubs but we only got one week into it and COVID happened and the whole thing got shut down so I have not danced for almost for well it's been two years now um, but I do dance next month I danced I am dancing in Florida. I think it's May 20th and 21st. Oh, congrats. That'll be my first time back in like two years. Excellent. Excellent. Do you remember the so biggest... I'm starving myself between now and then. <laughs> Do you remember the biggest tip you ever got at a strip club? Yeah, I got $5,000 from a guy in Portland. Hey, Portland. Uh, Port- represent. Guy in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> it was wow. Portland, Maine. Oh, Strangely okay. Enough. Wow. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, and it was... It was very unexpected Wild. because this was before I was a really big name. I was already doing porn. I was with Wicked, but I mean, I'd been there like maybe two or three years. Um, I hadn't done a lot of big movies. Obviously, it was before any of this mainstream stuff came through. And I was just dancing on stage, and a guy came up and threw the money and made it rain. And all it all took in one. Probably- <laughs> $5,000 all in ones. <laughs> that's what I, I was like. I thought it was like 500 bucks, honestly, which is still great. It wasn't until I looked down and realized they were all hundreds. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So, like, I Jeez. stopped that show. It was like, everybody, hold on. I'm picking all this up because I didn't want somebody stealing any of it. Yeah. And it was the strangest thing because he totally walked up to the stage, threw $5,000 at me, you know, and then, like, didn't sit down at the stage. So, I'm, like, trying to remember. I'm, like, remember what he has on. Remember what he has on. Remember this. Remember that. And I, you know, I went back to my dressing room and got changed as fast as possible because usually I would take like 10 minutes or so to catch my breath and touch up my makeup and get a drink of water and get my stuff together to go out and sell, you know, sell DVDs and take pictures and do autographs. I have never put my clothes on so fucking fast in my entire life. I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on team. We got to get out there. We got to find this guy. Cause I was like, if he tipped $5,000, like. but some guys like to tip and dip i mean we experienced that on for sure where they just come in like drop a bomb on you and then they're just like they're like the uh the fairies or the wizards of the adult world they're like here's some magic (laughs) and just that on its own leaves an impression i mean you're still talking about that and thinking about that today like that was a moment you know and he gave that to you i wonder how many people are gonna hear this and try to be like it was me (laughs) yeah Yeah, oh that was me no big deal (laughs) 
<laughs> so you've been you've been dancing for probably longer than I've been alive. Since the dark ages. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have recently like tried to take up pole dancing, and I have sustained quite the injuries and quite the bruises. Can you tell us about any like? injuries hilarious or otherwise that you've sustained over the years so, i don't know how these girls do pole tricks <laughs> I, i've never understood um that it hurts it I, does. <laughs> bruised the inside of my thighs like i i don't do pole tricks you, you see these girls with these massive bruises on the inside of their arms and like the inside of their thighs i can't do it plus i don't look really good upside down my tits fall on my face it's not a good look um, <laughs> I feel like people would disagree but i did <laughs> I did kick myself in the face on stage one time. I was like super into it. I remember I was doing my Little Red Riding Hood show and it was still the night and I just went and I kicked myself so hard in the fucking face that I bloodied my nose. I had a black eye. Oh no. I, I I'm surprised I didn't knock myself out. And if that wasn't bad enough, like a few weeks later, somehow I managed to kick myself in my own pussy. Like I didn't even know. Oh my god. Wait, were you wearing like pleasers? Because those things are heavy. Yeah, oh my god. I was. I was wearing the boots, like oh. the the boots, and I was like squatting down like this, and I just went bam, and I kicked myself right oh, in the crotch. And I mean, looking back, pretty impressive, but <laughs> that actually required a trip to the doctor's office because I got a hematoma that had to be lanced. Wow. Oh, on my vagina. Oh, my yeah. God. Definitely not the injury you want to have, especially as a dancer. No. No. But I've seen girls fall off the stage. I saw a girl, like, set herself on fire one time. Oh, like, goodness. Not the way she intended <laughs> wow. to. One of, my, oh, one of my viewers in my room told me that he accidentally set a stripper on fire once, so maybe that was him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have questions about sex? Camming Life probably has the answer. From how to give a good blowjob to how to deal with jealousy, Camming Life has it all, and it's explained to you by those who know best, Chatterbait Cam Models. Go check it out at youtube.com slash camminglife. And other than being a dancer or being in porn, what would have been your next choice for a career path? I don't know, because I was supposed to be a veterinarian, but I was never fully committed to the idea. It was just the only thing that I could think of, because uh, I ride and train horses and owned horses, and I worked at a riding stable, um, and I taught lessons, but I never liked people. Like, <laughs> still don't really, um, but I didn't like the kids. Like, I don't, I never wanted kids. Um, Luckily, I gave birth to a full-grown adult, basically. She's never been – my daughter's never really been an annoying little kid. But um, it wasn't what I really wanted to do. I ended up getting a scholarship, actually, for to Texas A&M for veterinary medicine. I got a full scholarship and was supposed to go. And I did two years internship at the Equine Surgery Center at the LSU Veterinary School. Like, I've held horse intestines like oh, this. Um, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a thing. I've sti- I've Luckily, it came in handy later in life when I had to stitch up my own horses for doing something stupid. But I was going to go. I got accepted. It was cool. It was exciting. It was, like, very celebrated in the trailer park I grew up in. Um, but I wasn't, like, fully, this is my calling. This is what I want to do. Like, it was just like, well, I guess I'll do this because it's the closest thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I was supposed to go, obviously I graduated high school and was supposed to move from Louisiana to Texas to start college. And yeah, I had a full scholarship, but it doesn't pay for the cost of moving. It doesn't pay for your apartment. It doesn't pay for food. It doesn't pay for even gas to get from here to there. And I had my horses and um, I had been saving money. And this is also in my book. So I don't even feel bad about telling the story because she could fucking blow me. Um, <laughs> but I had been saving up money in an account. And it, I, I now I've turned 18. I'm ready to cash it out. I'm ready to figure out to go away to vet school. And my mother had been stealing all of my money the entire no. time. So I didn't have any money. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just dance extra this summer. This is before I started featuring. I was just house dancing. I was like, I guess I'll just work every night and try to save it up because I am not leaving without my horse. I'm not going without my car and my dog, like all this stuff. And it was during that time that like I told you, I went to work at the other club that had these guest stars. And I was like, how do I do that? So I started, I got my boobs done uh, when I, in 99. And oh, wait, I started th- doing Thunder that. and lightning, right? Thunder and lightning, Thunder that's lightning. right. Um, and so I just... I never went back to that because it kept being like, oh, I'm going to take a year off. And then I ended up, you know, oh, this is great. I'm having so much fun traveling on the, you know, on the road, driving all over the country, making all this great money, dancing and having fun. I'll just do it for one more year so that when I go to school, I can focus on school and I don't have to work at all because I have this money saved. And then my second year doing that, I was like, oh, do you want to go to California? Oh, do you want to sign a deal with Wicked? Oh, do you want to do this? So I never ended up going back to school. And it sounds really terrible because I had such potential, I guess, and this scholarship that I didn't use. But honestly, I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me because I wouldn't have liked it, you know, now that I've been around for a long time and I have friends that became vets or I'm friends with a lot of vets. And by friends, I mean, I write a lot of vets, very large checks for my horses and they're all, not all of them, but they're pretty miserable. Like the, the student loans are just astronomical. The, you know, there's a very high suicide rate in the veterinary field because, you know, it's hard to deal with. It's 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 hard to deal with. Like animals are so innocent. And then, you know, people can make the choice. Like you have all these shitty owners. I would either be in jail for beating up like an animal abuser who brought their pet in. I would be in prison for life or the very least I would be so in debt because I would have like a thousand animals. (laughs) I mean, I already can't go to the humane society to look at the animals. I will come home with an animal like every time. And it's like, oh, let's go look at the cans. I'm like, no, like they will all be in my house. Like I can't, people that can like, uh, like watch kittens, like foster them and then give them away. I'm like, how do you get this, this type of heart? I can't let go. I can't do it. I can, there's no way I could ever have done it. So, and if I had never come out to California and never met, you know, the people here and never signed with Wicked, I would have never become a director and that is absolutely what I was meant to do. I just, I didn't know that that was a thing when, you know, you have like career day at school and people say, what do you want to do? I never was like, oh, I want to direct movies. Like it just wasn't on my radar, but I'll tell you, I was here, you know, I was with Wicked for a year and exactly a year into my contract, I somehow bluffed and convinced the owner of the company to let me direct a movie. And this is when the companies were making lots of money. So if it was a total bomb and he set fire basically to 30 grand, it wouldn't have been a huge loss because this is before the tube sites and this is before all the, 
you know, piracy and stuff. So it was like, oh, yeah, just just let her try it, you know. And he did. I don't even know what he was thinking when he said yes to me that day. Um, but I just remember halfway through the first day, I was standing at the top of the staircase at a house in the valley. And there was all these extras and I'm calling lights and everybody's looking to me for information, which I lied about because now I, you know, I didn't actually know the answers to most of the questions I was being asked. I was like, oh, yes, yes. Um, just put that light over there. And then like, <laughs> see, yeah, now was, we don't trust your lighting like, set up for this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, the moral of the story is sometimes you just got to listen to your heart and your pussy and things might just work out for you, right? Yeah. I mean, I just winked it that day, but I do remember standing there and thinking to myself, like, everybody's looking at me and taking orders and I'm calling shots and being like, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And and then I called action and it actually worked. <laughs> and I, I had just like, that was the moment that the monster was totally created because I was sitting there and I remember thinking like one, like. I am the puppet master. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm supposed to do. They're all listening to me. And the other part of me was like, wow, I'm really fucking lucky because most people wait their whole lives to have this moment where you're like, this is it. This is what I love. This is what I'm supposed to do. I have found my place and I was fortunate enough to do it at 23. Oh, that's awesome. It's great that you had such a, a boost to your career so early and you you, yeah. you 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 veered off of the path that you thought you were supposed to be on and found what was truly important. So that's great. Exactly. And now, you know, and I'm still doing it. I've directed over 100 movies now for Wicked and wow. just wrapped uh, on a movie two days ago called Hysteria that I wrote and directed. And it's, you know, it has a ghost in it, of course. Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> But I'm I'm excited to be back. I definitely missed it. I didn't direct for four years. And I was like, oh, my God. I wonder if I remember how to do this. Is this going to be like riding a bike? And my video tech leaned over. And he was like, no, Stormy. It's like riding a dick. And I was like, you never forget that. I got this. I got this. Never forget. <laughs> so let's, let's tackle the orange elephant in the room. Let's get this out of the way here. Um, you... Um, basically what what was it originally that made you want to speak out about Trump was there like one particular event was it just like a buildup of things what made you want to go public with this so it wasn't that's the thing is I don't feel like I really went public because in my world it was never not public that's what a lot of people don't understand like I would be on set and Trump would call and I would put him on speakerphone literally hundreds of people knew about all of this you know what I mean? It wasn't a secret. Makeup artists, I mean, talents. Like, it was It was not a secret. It was never a secret that, I mean, there were people with me that night. There were people there at the events. Like, everyone saw him approach me. The company I work for knew that I went up to his room because I canceled going to dinner with them. Like, I obviously told them why. Um, what is not understood is that people thought that I was there to escort or that he had propositioned me for sex, and I had said yes. No. Um, I was invited to his room to have dinner and discuss me being on Celebrity Apprentice because he had learned earlier during that day on the golf course that I wasn't just a performer that I also directed. And I guess he pretended to be or perhaps was genuinely, genuinely interested in that. And I was never asked to have sex with him. It was never propositioned. I never agreed to. I was he didn't honestly he didn't even flirt with me once because <laughs> once we got into the business conversation that lasted well over two hours um, so there's, there is a section of sex workers and stuff that really don't 
like me because they think I rolled over on a John. And if that had been the situation, I never would have said anything because it would have been like, it would have been discussed. It would have been a thing. Like it, that's not what happened. I went there for a dinner and a business meeting and no point was sex even remotely discussed. I went to use the bathroom and came out and he had his clothes off and he cornered me and I was afraid to say no. That's what happened. I was never paid. I was never offered money. I was never any of these things. And the only reason I continued to talk to him and take those phone calls from him was because I was still holding on to the hope that I could be on the TV show. And then I hadn't been cornered and put in this situation for nothing. I just made sure that the next four times I saw him, I was never alone and was like, I'm all, I was like very, I took steps to make sure I wasn't by myself, that I had it out, that I was on my period or like whatever. Like I, we've all done this game. <laughs> and so, you know, that's what I did. And in those meantime, he would call my phone two or three times a week and I'd put him on speakerphone. <clears throat> None of this was a secret. None of this was me trying to capitalize on it. And then years went by, obviously I'd stopped talking to him. I got married. I had a daughter. Um, he announced that he was thinking about running for president. And one of one of those hundreds of people, because like I said, it was not a secret, sold the story to In Touch magazine in 2011, at which time I was like, yeah, it's all true. And I passed a lie detector test and then they killed the story, which I was very grateful for because I had just had a daughter. That's not how I wanted to be photographed. She was like two months old. I'm still leaking from places you're not supposed to leak from, not to be too graphic. And so it was forgotten. And I never thought about it again until, you know, six, what, five, six years later. And it hit again. And that's when they offered me an NDA, which I took happily because I didn't want my husband to find out. I didn't want people to know I had had sex with that. It was so in my past. I had a daughter to think about a great career. It's not what I wanted to be known for. So I, I was like, this is done fine. It was great. Everything was good for a year. They approached me. And then, um, I was approached by the company that I went by wicket, but, but the old owners and they, you know, they wanted me to come forward. They wanted to capitalize on this. And I understand the business perspective of that, you know, but I was like, I'm not making a, a, a Trump porn parody. That's not going to happen. Like that's yeah. not how I want to be known. Yeah. Like I want to be taken serious as this director. I had just directed a big music video. I was about to direct a, um, a horror movie. My movies were known to be quality and, and not campy. Like yet I'd won best director multiple times by now. Cause we're talking about what a decade in between. And it's just, I said, no. And I got approached one more time. They're like, are you sure? I said, no. And that's when I let it slip. I have an NDA. I'm not ever going to talk. Like I'm not going to get sued. And a couple days later, the next thing I know is that Jessica Drake from Wicked Pictures was on TV telling my story, like as it was hers. And I was just shocked because she knows that it didn't happen. She knows she wasn't there. She's a lying fucking bitch. And I was like pissed because I, that's when I decided to come forward. And I was just really shocked that the company even allowed that to happen because they also knew that she was not in that room. Well, also um, like, it sounds like other people were able to talk about this, but you were like the only person in the whole right. world who couldn't, you know? Exactly. And so the other big thing that really flushed me out was that in the NDA, and I'm pretty sure this is standard for any NDA, um, it, it's just common. And like, you can't, talk about whatever the thing is about, but you also can't contact each other. Mm -hmm. um, and it said very specifically in there, that obviously 
the two parties involved, which we now know is me and, and Trump, could not contact each other, but also people affiliated with us couldn't contact the other. Like my family couldn't call his family, like things like that. Let's right? get a ruin Thanksgiving. And Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many jokes I could make. I'm just not going to. But Michael Cohen um, shopped a book, was shopping a book. Nothing wrong with that. Um, we're in the, the pitch for the book that he sent out to potential um, publishers. He said like, oh, as Trump's attorney, as Trump's fixer, I was responsible for this deal and this deal and this. And in his like um, examples, he specifically said the Stormy Daniels $130,000 payoff. And I was like, and so the press got it and now they're on my front yard and they are wanting all this information and I couldn't even defend myself. Like, we're not supposed to talk about it, but you literally just told everybody everything. So, of course, they have these questions for me. Yeah, of course. Um, and I wasn't even allowed to defend myself, at which point now he kind of realized that he messed up. So then they approached me and wanted me to release a statement. And there's a very big difference, I believe, in um, every way, ethically, whatever you want to call it, between not saying anything, kissing and telling, like, whatever, like, Whatever, like, whatever word you want to choose, like, saying nothing, I'm totally fine with. Because trust me, I've fucked some hot celebrities. And if I was going to come forward with a story, you really think I would have p picked the orange hobgoblin over, like, Ryan this, Gosling, like, I'm really hoping. Exactly. I have not <laughs> fucked Ryan Gosling. At least not that he was actually physically there for it. <laughs> I just love that but, all the sweaters but, are made out of boyfriend material. Yeah. <laughs> but you understand, like, what I'm saying. Like, there's so many people that I would have rather be known for having sex with than that. And of course, yeah. That I didn't, I still haven't said anything about, nor would I, because I don't kiss and tell. Mm -hmm. So I was fine with saying nothing. It was when they approached me and wanted me to flat out lie that I was like, no, this is not okay. So I have people saying this shit all over the internet, knocking on my door, trying to take pictures of my daughter, camping out on my front lawn all over here, calling me names. I can't defend myself over here. I have some chick that's trying to capitalize on a story that's not hers and twist it. And, and there was just so much going on at once. And then I, they changed the wording of the statement. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not a liar. I'm not a liar. I'm not signing this. And then they're like, Oh, well we changed it from having sex to having an affair. And technically stormy, it wasn't an affair. And I was like, Oh, that's right. It wasn't sex. One time does not, at least in my book count as an affair. An affair is something that's ongoing and at least consensual, like something you, you know, agree to and there's affection, right? You, so I was like, fine, I'll sign it. So I signed it and I was like, done. And then two weeks later, they wanted me to re release another one. And they cornered me again in a hotel room the day that I went on the Jimmy Kimmel show. So I purposely signed my signature wrong, knowing that Jimmy Kimmel would catch it. And he did. <laughs> I just signed it in that moment because I was alone in a room with a, with people. And I was like, I have to get out of here. So I signed it, knowing that within a few hours, it would be out that I had I would have the opportunity to tell that story. And luckily, Jimmy Kimmel caught that the signature was not mine. Wow. Good job, And so that's kind of how it all happened. And then I was like, you know what? I just had this moment where I was like, this is, I should have just... I, Telling the truth is always the best option. So I just was like, fuck it. If they can break the NDA and bully me and this and that, like, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell the truth. And so I told the truth and we all know what happened. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, ride. speaking of yeah. telling the truth, <laughs> do you want to tell us a bit about your book, Full Disclosure? Mm hmm So 
Gosh, I wrote that. It took like 10 years to write, right? Right. So I worked on this book for a very long time because I have all these like crazy stories. And a lot of people think, oh my gosh, you work in porn. You must have some wild, crazy porn stories. And there's a couple, but honestly, there's not that much crazy stuff that happens on a porn set. They're very, at least... I'm going to go and say like almost every porn set, but especially for wicked pictures, like they're very um, professional. Yeah, There's like exactly. I don't paperwork. And yeah, exactly. People don't realize that side of things, you know? Yeah. Like it is a business. It is not any different than a mainstream shoot, whether at a movie or a television show, except that the guys don't have to wear a sock on their dick. Like we go full, <laughs> we go full penetration, but like location, like, as a writer and director, I book locations, talent. I have to scout the, the locations, wardrobes, prop, uh, props, um, book all the crew, uh, do a budget, do a shoot schedule, uh, get pull permits, insurance. Like the paperwork for an adult movie is like this thick. You know what I mean? Like there's so much that goes into it that people don't realize. There, I wish I had time for an orgy in the bathroom on one of my sets, but the truth is there's no time. And by the time I call that's a wrap, I'm like, somebody just scoop me up and put me in the Uber because <laughs> I'm way too tired to, to have this. But but there are some funny stories that happen. The crazy stuff that happened that I've been that I worked on for 10 years was actually the stuff that happened in strip clubs, like out on the road. Because when you strip clubs are way crazier because, well, first of all, there's usually alcohol. And there's not any alcohol on a porn set. Mm-hmm. So you're in a bar. It's dark. Guys are feeling brave. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know what I mean? It's you're They're just there to have a good time. So I have these, I wrote down all these crazy stories that had happened to me. And I always found myself in these situations that I just couldn't believe I was in. So the, ti- the original title of my book was supposed to be Why Me? Because I just found myself, oh God, why me? And Trump was always going to be in the book. He was going to be a two-page why me? You know what I mean? Now, how many pages was did he take up in your book? <laughs> not much more, but somehow they managed to like make it all about like my child. They wanted it to be more of a true autobiography um, than just a collection of these crazy stories. But I was able to work quite a few of them in, and they're in the book. And the book is called Full Disclosure. It was written in the summer of 2018. So it is not quite current, but it does give a lot of insights, you know, about how I ended up in that situation, where I came from, like all of that stuff. And, um, and I, I'm pretty proud of it. It, it is, it's funny now when I go back and look at it or listen to it, because some people said, oh, she didn't really write that. Like that, you know, I'm like, read five pages and you can guarantee you'd be like, oh, never mind. Like hear, you can hear your voice almost, you know? But oh my, and now- I'm horrified. I sound like a fucking trucker. <laughs> like I was like, my language really is that bad. <laughs> And now that you have this passion for directing, do you ever see that? Do you ever see yourself directing your own autobiography? I don't think I could. No? Um, Some people have offered. Well, here's the thing. So some people have offered. I've had a lot of people want to buy the rights to it or promise documentaries or promise whatever. And who would you get to play yourself? And like all these things. And I'm like, part of me is like, I don't want to relive that. Like, I don't want to be on set directing this and like reliving this. And then, but then the director part of me catches up and I'm like, well, bet you know, no one else is going to, you're not going to let anybody else do it either. So now we're just stuck to probably never get done because I am such a control freak that I think if somebody else did it, they wouldn't do it right. So I'd end up just taking over and firing them. You have to because do it Because I have actually fired a director off of his own shoot before. So 
<laughs> no, that's the kind of thing I feel like if it's about your life, like you want, you want full control. I would, I would have a really hard time relinqu- relinquishing that control myself. So. Yeah. Um, but before we move on, I just want to congratulate you. I know that Avenatti got, uh, convicted back earlier this year, um, for, uh, for basically stealing out of your piggy bank when this book came out. So I'm glad to hear that, you know, you're getting that justice that you definitely deserve and that you can move forward and, and, and move forward with publishing your book and, uh, and making up for all of that. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and he tried a bunch of shit and they, I, there was a moment where I was afraid because he tried to make, he was caught by the FBI. Like I'm not even the one that pressed charges. They they caught him and came to me. I wasn't I wasn't the prosecutor. I was a witness and the victim. And it was pretty interesting that they they came to me and like, did you know about this? And I was like stunned that he had forged my signature and created a bank account I didn't know. And basically he got convicted of wire fraud and embezzlement, I guess theft, theft of some sort. And um and wire fraud, forgery, and, and embezzlement. And he just intercepted my money and lied to me every day about it for, for months. Wow. And he was convicted, even though he tried really hard to convince the jury that I'm jury that I'm crazy and I was making it up. But the it doesn't matter. I could be crazy. Like I could be completely batshit crazy licking the wall in a free yeah. jacket. And it doesn't change the fact that they had evidence. And his own secretary testified against him and said, Yeah, he told me to copy her signature. So it doesn't even matter how insane I am. But he tried to make he tried to make the 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 case uh, of the trial about me being crazy because I work in the paranormal field and because I I am not even kidding the text messages between Michael Avenatti and Luke Jakelau are fucking disgusting. They were talking about me and they had all came out in court about how oh she I gave her the money she's just confused. You know, she's a porn star. Oh, like, yeah. She well, probably, we have, at, like, at three least... brain cells that we rub together at all times. Right. I don't, <laughs> oh, she was partying last night, so she got confused. I have I have gone out and gotten drunk before and lost $20 or $50 or checked my bar tab and been like, did I really buy $200 in shots for everybody? <laughs> that's the kind of, like, that's the kind of confused that this porn star <laughs> has, has had issues with. I can't remember a time that I've ever been that it could be remotely possible that I got so drunk or whatever that I was confused and lost three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, well, that's a just a Tuesday oh, for me. <laughs> at least you know what? At least at the end of the day, you know that the FBI's got your back. And I'm sorry, but that's kind of on the side of the FBI that you want to be on. You're on the good side. So I'm on the good side. <laughs> and and you know, and the the wildest part about this whole trial is that. Two days in, Avenatti fired his his attorneys and represented himself, which means when I was on the stand, he was allowed to personally cross examine me, and he had they left me up there for five and a half hours, which oh. during which time, ouch, he berated me and insulted me and called me names and tried to like say because I had done porn and was an actress that I was faking. Yeah, I faked you stealing my money. Yeah, that's a thing. I think um, that's really unfair wow. in the court system that they're allowed to represent themselves. That happened with a past ex of mine, and he decided to represent himself. So I got grilled by it. It's very, like, dehumanizing and scary and traumatizing to have the person that, yeah, like, victimized sure. you be up there grilling you. I feel like there should be some Yeah, of- and I think that that probably causes a lot of women or, you know, that's not even fair. A lot of people, it doesn't matter what gender you are, a lot of victims in a case to like drop, drop the charges or, or not or, come forward. Or false, con- or false confessions happen all the time. Things like that. Yeah. You know, they just wear people down. It's, it's 
It's a terrible uh, practice. Like this was this was forgery. This was wire fraud, and I was pissed. And it's a lot of money, but it wasn't a violent crime. You know what I mean? Like Michael Avenatti never put his hands on me. He was never inappropriate with me. Like it wasn't rape. It wasn't um, assault. It was he didn't murder anybody. But like, what if he had? What if this was a violent crime and he was allowed to do that to me? And I think that that happens all the time. And and my career as a porn star, my past in the adult business has nothing to do with money that he forged my name and stole, but it was allowed to be brought up. And that's when I found out that um, actually in for sure in New York, because that's where my case was, that you are allowed to question a rape victim about her past sexual partners and promiscuity. And that is so fucked. So it just yeah. perpetuates that idea that a porn star or a cam model or a stripper mm-hmm. can't be raped. Or anyone and just because of like rape culture with like, oh, you were wearing a short skirt, like you clearly deserved it. It's definitely yeah. a slow wheel. I do see the progress that's happening over time, but I wish it would happen a little faster, you know? I agree. And, and that they tried to bring in my religious beliefs and my, like I said, my work in the paranormal field. And they tried to subpoena my mental health records, which don't exist. So that's, you know, but what if they did this discourages people from, from wanting to seek treatment and because they're afraid that later to be used against them in court or they'll be shamed. So they just don't seek help. And we know what happens when people who need treatment or help don't get it. That's when they end up either, harming themselves or other people because it's it's allowed to be used against them later and it just the whole thing really opened my eyes to these gross injustices in our legal system and that's kind of you know Michael Avenatti is going to be sentenced in June he's going to go to prison but he doesn't have that money I'm not going to get that money back from him so I would very much like to have it it's mine (laughs) And so the only way that I am kind of making peace with the fact that I'm never going to see that and I went through all of that for kind of nothing is that maybe there's an opportunity in this for me to do something to change some of those rules and some of those those things that we just talked about that are just not fair. Um, And I have it's in the press. You know, anybody can look it up. I have served Luke Janklau, who is my literary agent because he did not return my phone calls for months and months and months. And I was begging him about my money and he was going behind my back and talking to Michael. And he even says, he said in the court transcripts, I knew it was wrong. I ghosted her for months. If he hadn't ghosted me for months and had answered me, I called him several times a week for like five months. If he had just once returned my call or answered my text message, instead of just taking his 20% commission from me and doing nothing, then I could have been like, hey, where's my money? And he would have been like, oh, well, you signed this document. I could have said, I never signed that. Mm -hmm. And then Michael could have never gotten the money from me in the first place. So I believe that he is also at fault and he just filed something. I think he's going to fight it. And I think that's insane because this is a man who is a billionaire and works with all of these high profile celebrities. I'm pretty sure he did like Sharon Stone's book or his company did, um, Luke, Jake, Jake Lau and Nesbitt. So he represents all these huge writers and authors and projects. He admitted to calling me names and treating me like less of a human and thinking I was a dumb memblo who didn't know where her money was. You don't even need to do anything. They're convicting themselves. (laughs) I know, but you shouldn't even fight this. He could just, he should just be like, I fucked up. 
here's the money. I apologize to Stormy. And then I would be like, oh, thank you for being a stand-up dude. But that's mm-hmm. not what he's doing. So instead, I have to be like, now I have to destroy well, you. Well, I'm glad that you're such, like, a badass bitch and you're, like, taking all of this on. I would love to, because despite them using it against you, I find it very interesting. I would love to hear more about your work with the paranormal, particularly your new show, Spooky Babes. Can you tell us a bit about that? So, yeah. Um I'm from New Orleans. I've lived there my, you know, I've lived in Louisiana my whole life. And it's probably the only, it's the most haunted city, I think, anywhere in the world. Really? Oh, Um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's the only place I've ever been where it straight up says on the real estate signs, haunted or not haunted. That's a real (laughs) thing. My Um, goodness. So I'm kind of used to the paranormal and things like that. Anybody who's from New Orleans is. Um, But about three years ago, I moved into this house that was way more haunted than the average I mean it was next level fucking weird and it was aggressive and it it was not good and I reached out to you know my best friend Justin who is in spooky babes with me and we live together now but not a couple um but my best friend Justin was super into the paranormal television shows like he knew all the people and all the shows I never actually watched any of them um I might not have even known they existed um he was like, yeah, this place is pretty fucked. And there was just weird stuff happening. We put cameras in the house. We got things on film. So he was like, we need to have somebody come. And I was like, am I going crazy? So he reached out or had me reach out. We reached out to all of these paranormal investigators and television shows and well-known ghost hunters. And no one responded. Meanwhile, as we're waiting for these people to get back to me, things are just escalating in this house in New Orleans that I was living in and it became very unsafe. And finally I was like, maybe I'm crazy. And he was like, you're not, he was like, look, if they won't come to us, we will go to them. So we drove to Mississippi and to a a paranormal, a haunted location that had some investigators there that were inviting people to come out. And basically, just like I said, if they wouldn't come to us, we went to them. We were supposed to do like one or two things. It was for my own peace of mind. It was to prove that I was not imagining the things that I was seeing in the house. Because if so, I need to go see a, a different kind of, I need to seek treatment, obviously. Like there's something very much wrong. And I had at this point started having some physical symptoms, you know, lack, not sleeping. I was having nosebleeds. My hair was falling out. Like, wow. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, and like I said, we have it all on film. Wow. So we thought we would go and just get an opinion. Maybe I could convince this person when I was in front of them and showing them what I have to come and investigate my house. Um, little did I know that at that first investigation that I was going to be able to be like, oh my God, this happened over here and this happened over here. And they're like, how do you know that? They're like, you're a medium. Did you know that? And that's probably why it's so intense for you in this house that you're in. Wow. And you have to learn how to control it. So then Justin and I were like, let's go to another location. So we tried it again. It's like, do you want to go to another one? <laughs> like, so we, it just, we were supposed to do like one thing. And the next thing, you know, we're a year and a half into living on this tour bus and filming these things simultaneously with that also was COVID. Like I mentioned earlier that I was supposed to go on this strip club comedy tour. So I already had the, the bus booked. I already had all this stuff, <laughs> um, but everything got shut down because of COVID. So all of my dates and appearances got canceled, but the good news is ghosts don't get COVID. So we were able just to keep filming. One of the so pluses of being like, yeah. supernatural. Yeah. If, if anything, they're like, <laughs> right. yay, people are all at home. Now is our chance. Yeah. <laughs> so we just filmed, I ended up like investing all, 
all of my own money. I own Spooky Babes outright. You know, I produced it. Um, I, it's co-directed between me and and Barrett Blade, who's also an adult performer. And so me and Justin just traveled around the U.S. and we stayed in all these amazing high profile places the you know the lizzie borden house the conjuring house ashmore estates yeah that's um, so cool like, yeah like these really big names places i think we have about 15 episodes in the meantime justin started to correct his skills as a healer and got reiki certified and i became more of a medium and realized like i can really do this and started doing card readings so we were on this path and then we did this thinking we were going to just prove that I wasn't crazy and ended up now it's our full-time job. Um, there, the other there... really cool part about this was I was able to um, salvage the tour bus and that we had all this stuff booked. Cause like I said, we just kept filming, but when the world shut down with the pandemic, obviously it shut down the adult industry because it shut down everything. And all of my friends were still in the adult industry. So I was able to give some of my crew that had been with me when I was directing porn get on my thing you know my so my whole crew and for spooky babes are adult industry people that i was able to out um like i said barrett blade is the cinematographer and co-director on spooky babes he shot if you look at the trailer and and, you know he's amazing um and then my lighting guy joel we had my sound guy photographers like all these people were able to jump on board because they had suddenly had a bunch of free time so do you ever want to <laughs> infuse the two and do like spooky sexy porn i don't think so because i i want to keep them separate um because people think that's what i'm doing they think it's a gimmick and it's not like the paranormal stuff that we're doing is actually very serious um, it has switched in the last year to year and a half to most of the investigations we do. We're not even filming because they're residential cases. When I tell you we have about 15 or 16 episodes, the, those are the famous places that we went to, the places that you pay to go and film at, their locations, they're known to be haunted. I've probably done another 50 or 60 places that I can't even tell you about because they're private homes that they called us in to help. Wow. And is there um, any like historic place that is like like notoriously haunted that you haven't visited yet that's on your hit list? Um, I really want to, and it's here in LA, actually. I'm in California right now because I just, like I said, was working for Wicked. Um, I want to go to the Queen Mary that has a lot of history, obviously. Um, and then I'm dying to get over to Europe. You know, there's the catacombs in Paris and the Ooh, castles yeah. in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And, um, All that ancient architecture has got to be like haunted and spooky in some way. Yeah, I can't wait. There's so many places I want to go. Very cool. And so you were a performer for many, many years, but you do have a passion for directing as well. Um, Is there a favorite type of scene that you either like to shoot as a performer or as a director? Like, what's your what's your preference? Ooh, Um, as a performer, you know what? My favorite is still just straight boy girl. Um, I just, I like one-on-one sex, you know, um, when they get into like these three ways and four ways, and it's just so much going on. It's a lot of work. A lot of limbs. Really, that's <laughs> yeah. It's, as a director, it's harder to shoot because there's just so much you're trying to capture and there's just so much going on. And as a performer, you know, it's, I feel very overwhelmed and you can't really develop the same connection because mm-hmm. you got to keep switching it up. You got to make sure like nobody's feeling left out or if everybody's cool or, 
it's it's too it's too complicated for me. Um, and I love women. I do like women, but I prefer men. And the older I've gotten, the the novelty of girl girl has worn off a bit. So many, so many times you can mash um, vaginas together on set. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I really like straight one on one boy girl. That's my favorite. Um, I do have a secret fantasy of wanting to be with two guys. I've only done it once, and it was for my movie Operation Tropical Stormy. But it, and it was with Marcus London and Tony DeSergio. But we were shooting a comedy, so it had to be like. We were in character. I'll put it that yeah. way. And it's, it's a great scene. <laughs> but we also shot it at like 2 o'clock in the morning in a tent in horrible weather in these ridiculous outfits. I was directing. So I'm also like in that, you know, oh, God, we're over budget. We're over time. How does this look? So like I couldn't focus. It was still great fun. You know what I mean? Because I love both of those guys. Sounds like And fun. I actually just went to Mark, went to um, Vegas last week and spent two nights with Marcus London, just me and him filming for a private content. And it was some of the best sex I've had. It's on my OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Um, but I secretly do really want to be with two guys, but like not on camera. I mean, I'll do it on camera, but like that's still like work. Like you're still performing. Yeah, I no, just wanna, totally agree. I just yeah. want to try it once. But then you but you still run into the whole thing. Are they going to like decide they like each other more than me? Like these are <laughs> things I think about. This is how fucked up I am. And in terms of directing, what was like your favorite passion project as a director? Oh, Wanted, hands down. It took me seven years to convince Wicked to let me shoot that movie. It was, that's the big Western and it won all the stuff. And it was my dream, my passion project. Uh, it was a co-production actually with Wicked Pictures and Adam Eve. Adam and Eve was so generous to, to put up half of the budget and even more generous to not have one of their directors co-direct because I was like, I was such a bitch about it. I was like, this is mine. <laughs> if, if I have to choose between having to co-direct with somebody else or not doing it at all, then I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Like that was my line in the sand. And everybody was like, stormy. You can't be like that. They're like, I'm like, that's just how I feel about it. Well, it turns and out you can. I mean, <laughs> it turns out I can. Cause it, it, but I mean, the movie is everything. It was the hardest I ever worked. It was we had so many things happen that we overcame. It was miserably hot. It was the worst, ex like in some ways, the worst experience in my life. It definitely <laughs> aged me and my crew and probably everybody on that movie um, a lot. But the end result is it's besides, besides my daughter and, you know, deciding to come forward and tell the truth. It is the thing that I am the most proud of. And besides my daughter, it's the thing that I've created that I'm the most proud of. And, you know, people are like, oh, the thing that you're considered to be the best thing you ever did as a porn. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, really yeah. not your book. It was on the New York Times bestseller. And I was like, no, that's that's just my life. That Those things happened. Now, if my book was a fiction and I came up with all that crazy shit, it might be different. But I really just recounted things that had happened to me. And I am proud of my book. Like, I'm not saying I'm not. But my movie Wants It for Wicked was definitely, it's definitely like the pinnacle. How incredible to have so many things that you've created in your lifetime that you're like, hmm, is this the thing? Mm -hmm. You're incredible. I would love to hear like your thoughts on like what you've seen change in the industry since you've been in it for so uh -huh. long and you've like seen it progress. Like what would you say <laughs> are some positives that you've seen? Um, I mean, the biggest thing that I've seen change is it's an all ever evolving thing. It's never going to not be changing is the technology. And that's a double edged sword for me. Um, 
because now everybody cameras are, are easier to get and we have webcams where, you know, we have all this technology. And so the positive side of that is I really like how the power and the creativity and the con it's and the monetary stuff is being shifted more into the, the performers, you know, and we having, we're having more control. And I like seeing the ladies or, and the guys, the performers, content creators, um, to reap the benefits of that, you know, to be able to have control and to be able to get the money. Cause as we all know, there's no unions, there's no royalties, there's no anything like that. So I really do like that we have control. It's safer, you know, um, all of those things that we all are very aware of the positives of that is one of the biggest changes I've seen. I have a love hate with this, uh, situation because I am a producer and director and, and likes mm -hmm. creating these these highly stylized scripted story driven features. But there'll always and be a market the, for that though. You know, like it's just different. There different is styles. The companies with the companies losing money because of the, you know, they, they can't have the budget. So I can't create selfishly. I cannot create the big budget movies that I used to, you know, like we just discussed once it once it was almost $200,000. That would never happen today. My average budget when I was shooting a movie a month for wicked, you know, 10 years, I'll just go 10 years ago, my average budget was about $40,000 for a movie average. Um, I did a big budget one. It was easily a hundred, like a, a bigger, like a, a heftier movie, which they'd give me a couple of times a year was between 65 and $90,000. And I wouldn't say they wouldn't bat an eye at that, but I always got my way. Like that, but my average, my average budget for a movie was about $40,000. The max budget now is just over half that. Wow. And it's so hard to create these, these pieces, these, these movies that people are, have become accustomed to expecting from my brand. My brand is both Stormy Daniels and the Wicked brand. They expect the same quality, the same content, the same visual, the same, you know, quality but do you know how hard it is to make something that good for half the price you get what you pay yeah. for especially and for so, somebody who with such strong convictions you're not gonna you know you're you're not gonna take like road b <laughs> right so it's like i understand and i'm really proud of the way that the women or the content creators are taking power back and like doing what they want to do and and that's how it should be. But the selfish old school producer director part of me is like, <laughs> it's interesting to see you know? that from both sides for sure. The good news is I'm never bored and it is always an adventure. Well, we're excited <laughs> to see what you have coming up. I just have one more question for you, unless you had one more at all, Mel. No, go for it. All right. I just wanted to ask you, what advice would you give your younger self? Ooh. Um to speak my mind more, um, to not be afraid of being considered a bitch. Like, don't downplay. Seriously, you know, like, one more time for all the ladies in the back. You are not shrill. <laughs> you are not a bitch. <laughs> I mean, that surprises me because I feel like you're somebody who's, you know, you're known for speaking your mind. I guess you're wishing that it, you backdated it a little bit. Yeah, I wish. I didn't become like this until in the last, you know, recently. I When I was much younger, I knew that I was the smartest kid in the class, but I downplayed it. And like, I was too shy to speak up. And I wish I had, I wish my balls were as big then as they are now. <laughs> we want you, yes, you, to join us on chatterbait.com. Come find me online today. 
make my toys vibrate, make me scream, make me squirm, make me, ah. Oh. <laughs> it's free and easy to sign up today with no credit card required to chat. Come find me. What are you waiting for? That was awesome. It was so great to hear about your life, your career. Uh, we have a little game to play with you, if you like, before we take off. Sure. The game is called Would You Rather. I'm sure oh, I love this game. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. All right, Stormy, would you rather make your partner moan or make your partner laugh? Oh, I'd rather make my partner laugh. Good choice. Uh, yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, would you rather wrestle in a pool of jello or a pool of pudding? Oh, both of them are horrible <laughs> yeast infection waiting to happen. <laughs> Agreed. Um, is it chocolate pudding? Because that would look like poop. So I'm going to go with jello. There's no way that jello is going to look like poop. <laughs> Fair answer. Would you rather date someone who takes five seconds to come or five hours to come? Like every time. Five seconds. I'm too busy for that shit. <laughs> Getting chased as well. Ooh. Yeah. No. No, no, no. Would you rather give up masturbating for a whole year or give up sex for three months? Oh, I would rather give up sex for three months. I didn't have sex for like a year and a half. But no one fucks me better than I do, so. I <laughs> That's right. Give that yes. <laughs> Would you rather, for the rest of your life, only have sex in the bedroom or never have sex in the bedroom? I don't know. Um, never have sex in the bedroom. Right. Where would be your preferred spot if it wasn't in the bedroom? Ooh, standing doggy in the shower with my right leg. Wow. Ooh, left to look okay. dangerously. <laughs> living dangerously for sure <laughs> <laughs> um would you rather have early morning sex or late night sex late night sex i hate morning sex <laughs> i hate I'm always it like, i hate am it I so much ugly right now like how ugly am i right now i haven't looked in the mirror yet do they want to have sex it's like the Just morning <laughs> yeah i hate morning sex i hate it <laughs> all right we have one more each here let's see um would you rather have all of your sexual wishes granted or would you rather grant somebody else's all of their sexual wishes? Oh, mine. I'm a selfish bitch. Besides, <laughs> you never know what kind of freaky shit somebody's going to ask for. What if it's illegal? It's <laughs> a good point. Fair. You only live once. <laughs> um, would you rather have really loud sex or completely silent sex? Really Same. loud. It Silence is, is a weird. little creepy. <laughs> like, if I could hear my... Dude, if I can hear my stomach growling while you're fucking me, like we should. Just oh call my god, it. my first like uh, like fuck buddy situation that I had, and I didn't even I understand that it was a fuck buddy situation. This dude would have me come over and to his completely quiet and frigid ass cold apartment, and that right there reminded me of that because I remember being able to hear my stomach growl, and being like, "This is so weird. Like, why doesn't he turn on music? This is horrible." Finally, I got my act together. I was like, the dick is not that good. My goodness. Leave, girl. 
<laughs> but thank you so much for joining us today, Stormy. It has been wonderful to talk to you and hear about all of your experiences throughout the years. We're so excited to see what you have coming up. Uh, would you let everybody know where they can find you, follow you on the interwebs? Sure. Um, so on Twitter, I am the Stormy Daniels. It is, uh, I'm sorry, it is, Twitter is just slash Stormy Daniels. It has the blue type mark. There's a lot of imposters. I am verified. Same thing with Instagram. Instagram, I am the Stormy Daniels, also verified. I do not have a public Facebook. So if you're talking to me on Facebook, it's not me. You are being catfish. <laughs> um, and then our Spooky Babe stuff is all Spooky Babe Show. So SpookyBabeShow.com. TikTok is Spooky Babe Show. I suggest you check that out. Our YouTube, if you want to see our trailer and some of our paranormal investigations, it's Spooky Babes Show. Same on Instagram, same on Facebook, same on all of the things. Um, and then obviously check out all my movies, past, present, and upcoming on wickedpictures.com. Hell yeah. Oh, and my OnlyFans, obviously. If you want to see my newest scenes, because I haven't shot anything in like four years, I've been posting as of a month ago. I just started post posting all new boy-girl content Ooh. on my OnlyFans. So check that Let's stuff go out. Go follow right. her and check it out, guys. Help, help fund her wish of getting DP'd by two guys. There we go. See, I like your. You're hired. You're now my. You are my DP campaign manager. Get her done and go follow her, guys. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time, Sex Squad. Hey, Sex Squad. Remember to spank that like button and subscribe on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash camminglife. And make sure to subscribe to Sex Tales wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. <laughs> yes.